0: Tanya, we have made it. It's chapter 16, The Rescue, the last episode of season 2 of The Mandalorian. Oh my god. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh god, it's bittersweet, um, but we have to get into it, we have to talk about it, we have to analyse it, we have to break it apart, tear it apart, sink our teeth in it. Oh boy. Let's do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) This is going to get very interesting indeed. Mm. all right let's start off at the start of the episode shall we yeah so it opens with a fight in space and that's just like a new hope it's just like many different uh star wars movies it's almost tragically typical of star wars Mm. but it's just so comforting yes (laughs) it's like like a warm hug yes um yeah so that was obviously really good for us star wars fans definitely brought back some memories. And even the mention of a Death Star um, Mm. from good old Doc um, that's a bad guy. Damn it, why do doctors have to be bad all the time? Um, (laughs) But uh, I just loved when Kara June asked which one, which Mm. Death Star. Um, (laughs) Just same, Kara, same. There (laughs) there have been too many to count. Um, So I don't blame her for being confused. It just shows that Sith and and the Empire. They don't know what they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, oh god it was an interesting episode. So much packed into it. Uh, Oh my god. I don't even know where to go on. Oh boy.
0: Uh, Oh yeah
1: okay. Uh, I guess we should start with
0: we've got our team uh, for The the rescue mission. Yes. Uh, we've got Mando, Kara, Fennec, Boba, Boba T. Um... Boba T. (laughs) Wrong Boba, wrong Boba. (laughs) Um, Bo-Katan and her,
1: her little squad as well, um, which is interesting. Minus, um... Yeah, they do. Minus Simon Katz, yeah, minus, oh no, I remember the actor's name, minus Axe Woves, there we go. Yeah. Where oh. was Axe?
0: Yeah. I want Simon Cass. Come maybe on. Maybe there's like too many Mandos on that maybe. team. Anyway. Maybe. maybe we'll see you in the future. Maybe. Simon. I hope so. Simon, yeah, come back. Yeah, come, come back. back. Um so yeah, we've got our squad and they've they've devised a plan. Yes. Which um I'm surprised it worked. <laughs> you know, considering <laughs> how like plan. Yeah, how Moff Gideon is, like, oh, seems to be on top of everything and he knows everything. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. But let's not forget that it took them a while to devise a plan because first off, Bo-Katan and Boba were having a bit of a a fit, a little tiffy, tiff. Mm. Yeah, they weren't very nice to each other, were they? Um... I mean, like, if I were Bo Katan, I would not be challenging Boba Fett just because he's one of the most badass mercenaries out there. Um, Even his a... voice, you I know, know, like, when you hear his voice, you're like, okay,
0: I'm just going to back off now.
1: But, I mean, Bo Katan is amazing in her own right. And mm. I thought I'd never see them together, Bo Katan and Boba. Mm. But I have. It's yeah. amazing. Absolutely. It's really crazy. Amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I did love that Boba kept calling Bocatan princess, mm. because it's almost fitting, actually, considering that Bo-Katan is the sister of the ex Duchess of Mandalore, Satine cries. So, I mean, Boba, you're not really off the mark there. Like, you're pretty spot on. Um, just, there was so much, like, tension between the two Mandalorians. It's like, uh (laughs) uh-oh. This isn't meant to happen. You guys have other things to think about. Just shut up for a second. (laughs) Put your ego aside. But, uh, it was great to see them together.
0: Yeah. And also, I feel like that tension, especially with Bo-Katan and, um, sort of like her own, uh, her own, like, ambition compared to what Mando's going for, and he literally, I think he says to her, I think I remember him saying, it's like, about, in reference to Grogu, he is my only priority, like, he doesn't care about the Darksaber. Papa Mando! <laughs> whereas, yeah, whereas Bo-Katan is fully for the dark saber.
1: Yeah. Yeah, she's, she's had a long run with the saber. um, from the moment that it came into the hands of Pre Vizsla, who was the owner, at uh, the owner, the... <laughs> the leader of a Death Watch um, mm. from then it started on and even when she acquired it for herself after Darth Maul was uh, the owner of it and I think after Sabine Wren had taken yeah. on the mantle then she finally became the leader of Mandalore and then of course the purge happened she lost it so the mm. Darksaber means a lot to her so I don't blame her for being so enticed by the fact that the Darksaber is there where Grogu is And that's why she's joining the mission. Um, And I think it was really interesting the fact that she mentioned, upon seeing the Beskar um, spear that Mando has, she mentioned that kyber crystal weapons, such as lightsabers, can't cut through Beskar. Mm. God damn, what the fuck? (laughs) I mean kyber crystals? Weapons? Can't cut through Beskar. Eleanor, I don't think you realize how insane that is. I mean, lifesavers, they can cut through so many things. that They are amazing weapons. Mm. Suddenly, here comes Beskar, and they can't cut through it. Whoa! Give me some of this yeah. stuff, man. <laughs> That's amazing. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. No wonder why Mando's armor looks so cool. No wonder why
0: it's so hard to break. And I feel like that sort of, that contrast, like how that light the lightsaber come, you know, break into Beskar, sort of, it represents the two different, you know, Mandalorian and Jedi, and it's really good, you know, they, they just keep clashing, you know. Yeah. It's interesting.
1: It's, and no wonder why, um you know, the one hasn't defeated the other. Mm. Especially because when uh, the Death Watch... Obtained the dark which is another Kyber crystal weapon. Mm. I mean, they were going head to head, and and it was hard to, you know, for either side to win. Mm. And now it it's also just adds another level to it. The fact that Beskar is that strong. Holy shit! <laughs> I want it. <laughs> yeah, and it's also good to know that Mando has
0: full Beskar armor, so we know that he's safe protected
1: protected as long protect- as he has the armor. He's good. He's good. Yes. He yes. He's fine. He can go baby. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That's very reassuring. <laughs> yeah. Um. But, oh god. what The dark troopers, to talk about another material, what the hell were they made out of? Mm. My god, they were indestructible. Bullets, fire, nothing. Mm. Nothing worked on them. Very My strong. God. Yeah. Um, I couldn't help but laugh though um, when they were powering up um, in order to f- you know fight against our our beloved squad. Um, the the sound that was coming up and the music that was sounding up uh, that was coming up, I kind of thought that uh, that Ludwig Göransson had made a collaboration with dubstep.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was a bit EDM-ish. <laughs> it was Using yeah, <laughs> it was an interesting choice. I, I feel like because like the da- the dark Troopers, they're obviously like robotic, so that yeah. sort of makes sense with the sort of EDM ish mixed in with the regular soundtrack.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if I was entirely a fan of it to be honest. Mm.
0: Um, I don't you know to see this, that.
1: yeah, you kind of. S- I don't know, when you think of dubstep, you think, oh, okay, we're going to be watching Step Up now, you know, a dance movie <laughs> or something. And then suddenly it's like some uh, d- dubstep sounding music in Mandalorian in, in the Star Wars universe. It's like, oh, hang on, they've, they've got that sort of music over there? Is that the sort of music that, uh, like, Anakin Skywalker used to listen to when he went through, <laughs> like, his emo and really dark phase? Yeah. Angsty phase. Yeah, angsty. Angsty Anakin. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> um,. Yeah, I, like I, am not really a fan of that. Um, even though I think that Ludwig is, is an amazing composer, um, but yeah, you do you, Ludwig.
0: <laughs> well, I thought it was a bold choice, and I think that for the most part, it pays off. You know, because it like sort of establishes the difference between them and you know everyone else, and also builds the tension as well. I can see, I can see how it can be sort of of pudding for, for those who are for fans of especially like John Williams and that kind of stuff um but I, I I I enjoyed it I liked it I mean I enjoyed the whole episode I thought everything was was 100% was uh chef's kiss um yep yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I thought it was interesting um yeah the action this episode was amazing oh, um yes yeah we even
1: got to learn some star wars vernac- uh, star wars vernacular um son of a mud scuffer mm. i think i'm going to start using that now um mm. and hopefully my parents won't know what that means <laughs> 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 um yeah yeah i mean i think that's pretty interesting and then to bring out oh talking about action Eleanor, the dark mm. saber Mm. We, we saw it in Clone Wars, we saw it in Rebels, and it was such an interesting weapon to begin with because it was so contradictory to the lightsabers. I mean, even mm. the name, Darksaber, Lightsaber. Mm. But seeing it in live action... Oh, my God. You were talking about chef's kiss before. If I could do the chef's kiss a million times, it would still not be enough. All right. What What do I say? What do I, like... <laughs> The Darksaber in live yeah. action. He's fighting with the mm. Oh my god. Surely I'm not the only one to feel this excited about it. It was so yeah. amazing. Yeah, just
0: hearing it clash with the Veska, the stuff. Oh. Um that, especially that that shot of like the Darksaber cutting into the side of the ship as Mando's holding back, like holding it back. Um, it was really, really cool sound design was really really you know on par and everything was great um especially you know like you tanya for fans of you know clone wars rebels and star wars in general um it's just the start of many of unimaginable surprises and stuff in this episode that happens
1: yeah yeah (laughs) unimaginable and just blowing my fucking mind yeah Oh, uh, it is so good I love the dark saber I love them off Gideon was fighting with it I love that you know Jin Jarren was wielding the best car staff he managed to disarm Moff Gideon yeah oh my god what are they doing to me it's it's amazing I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm lost. i lost I don't know what to, what else to say I think it's just oh they're doing such a good job with this series yeah I oh mean if god. you if
0: your reaction like this I can't wait uh, until your reaction about someone else no. some other Jedi. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that that's coming up. That's coming up. Oh my god. Oh but when Jinjarin walked in and he found Grogu and we just see Grogu with his little hands reaching mm. up to Papa Mando. Melts my heart. Yeah. just melts it breaks it to a million pieces it is the cutest thing ever
0: yeah I, I just uh, I, I can't it's it's unfathomable uh, unfathomable with <laughs> how adorable and cute grogu is you know oh. just how and and how special the relationship between grogu and mando is especially how much like let's look at it You know, because this is the last episode of Season 2, let's look at the trajectory. From Season 1 to Season 2, let's look at how Mando, especially how Mando has changed as a result of his relationship with Grogu. Like, he's not that lonely, you know, lone wolf bounty hunter anymore. He's, he's got, essentially he's got a child. He's a changed man, he's a father, you know, he's got a foundling and he's meeting, you know, new people all over the galaxy, um, you know, it's just, I think, oh, it's just, oh, it's just, oh, is this, now I'm the one who's going yes. crazy.
1: <laughs> it's just such a beautiful character development, and yeah. it's, it's so hard to find character development that has just worked out so well, and that has gripped you for so long, especially over two seasons. It's, It just shows such good writing, such good directing, and such good acting on behalf of Pedro Pascal in particular. To, especially because, I mean, I think I sent you this photo, Eleanor, of Pedro Pascal recording his lines for The Mandalorian. Yeah, with the pillow. Yeah, he's holding a pillow in place of, of a little Grogu. Um, it's just... It's mind-blowing because there is just so much talent being shown throughout the whole series from so many different areas of the film industry of the tv show industry and i just can't believe it i can't believe that it has all come into this one series and we are able to be in this time where we are able to see it it's fantastic i love it i admire it holy shit it's beautiful
0: (laughs) Mm. and i think yeah i think that these creators of these of this show they're just making good choices yeah um i wanted to say this about um during our uh, previous episode of the podcast but i think that right now as a character and as the actor pedro pascal his voice as mando is iconic I can't imagine, like, it's perfect casting. I'm not talking about the looks. I'm not talking about how the body the language and everything. I'm talking about the voice in particular. I think that the way he sounds, they just casted him perfectly because I think, I was saying this to my sister because I got her involved into the series, guys. I did something really well. Yes, Eleanor. Yeah. <laughs> Proud of you. <laughs> yes. I, I was saying to her, because she loves, obviously, Amanda as well, I think that... The voice, Pedro's voice, and how they wrote the character is very, very universal. It, he can appeal to all, the, all all, Star Wars fans because of just how relatable and realistic, especially in how he reacts to stuff and the way his voice sounds, like, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, it just makes sense. It fits in perfectly yeah it, it's just like
1: I think surely you'll remember this in Captain America the Winter Soldier with Sebastian Stan he only said a couple of lines and yet mm. the way that he was portraying emotion with only his face his expressions mm. his eyes that yeah I think the way that Pedro Pascal is using his voice in the Mandalorian reminds me of how Sebastian Stan was acting in the mm. Winter Soldier yeah and it's so hard to find actors that do that so well it's such a a rare gift and such such a beautiful talent to have and there's just so much that comes from pedro pascal's voice yes. when he's acting and i think in that way he's he's perfect for the role mm-hmm. i can't now i can't see anyone else there as the mandalorian exactly. yeah it's fantastic oh god
0: and that's just the tip of the iceberg, because we still got to talk about the other stuff that's oh, going yeah. on. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, what did I want to mention? I thought it was cool, uh, in particular, when Ka- when Kara's um, gun was jammed. She just decided to just use it to smash one of the troopers' <laughs> heads. Yeah, in, like she's
1: going to knock him out, no worries. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, what else? Even with that, um, FedEx Shand in hand-to-hand combat? hmm that gave me Major Agent May vibes from Age of Shield, <laughs> so I was happy itself to, to see that. That was mm. uh, that appealed to me very much. I'm very happy with that. Just overall, just the fighting, the the interactions between the characters, too good, man. Too good. Yeah.
0: Oh God. Okay. I feel like we have to talk about it now. Do we?
1: Well, hang on, let's... Uh, we, we've yeah. got a bit of time. We've got a bit of time. I have one more thing to cover before yeah. we go, go into that. Do um, it. So, obviously, because Mando was able to disarm Moff Gideon in their battle, mm, okay, he yeah. obtained the Darksaber. So, of course, I was amazed by the fact that Mando was wielding the dark saber because that just looked absolutely amazing. The yeah. fact that you've got this sh- sharp-looking... Hyper crystal powered weapon and the amazing beskar armor that mando has i think it just the side of it was pure beauty it just brought me so much joy but then bo katan mm. wants the saber and yet it rightfully belongs to mando now
0: I was going to ask you this. I was going to... I was... The question I wrote down was, what's going to happen with the Dark Saber and Mando and Bo-Katan? Because there's conflict there. So Um, much conflict. And, I mean, obviously we know that Mando doesn't care. Like, Bo-Katan is the one who wants it. You know, she deserves it, but Mando won it in that skirmish, that fight. So I guess... And he won it through hard work, even though he doesn't really wish to return to Mandalore. But then it also makes me think that maybe for the next season, that's what's, that's the conflict, that's the next thing they're going to talk about is whether maybe he's going to return to Mandalore and hold a seat of power there, or, if, you know, he can't give it to Bo-Katan. There's just a lot.
1: Oh, boy, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's so much that could happen. I think someone suggested that Jinjarin should just give it to her as a birthday or a Christmas present. Um, <laughs> if only that could work. Yeah, um, no. I I thought maybe, you know, she should have just, like, quickly just knocked him out or something and then disarmed him. Yeah. and Oh, well, sorry, Mando, but I had to take it. Um, yeah, I think it's really hard for Bo-Katan because she respects Mando. So I don't think she really wants to get into a duel with him and potentially harm him.
0: But I think that what she wants more is you know, to return as a rightful heir as of Mandalore. Yeah. So we'll see, you know? Yeah, it's
1: it's going to be interesting to see because <laughs> some people are also saying that maybe she should just marry Jinjarin.
0: Oh, God, <laughs> no.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that one. Um, no, there's no need for that. Nah, nah. Oh. Yeah, I'll, I'll be all right without that. Um, I think it's a pretty funny... Um, uh, View though, <laughs> very funny suggestion. Um, I think, I think she's just going to have to fight with Mando. I think they're just going to have to, you know, take it back to the time of King Arthur, for example, and and have a battle as, as knights did for their, you know, their right of honor for whatever. I don't think there's really any other way that she can get out of it. Um, and in saying that, I think. Her not taking the Darksaber from Jinjaren even though he yielded, I think some people are seeing that as quite controversial. Because a lot of people are saying that she's a bit of a hypocrite there. Because if you remember in, an, uh, in the first episode where she appeared, she was giving Jinjaren shit for not taking off his helmet, for being so obsessed with, with the Death Watch code, for being obsessed with the Mandalorian way. And yet now she will not take the dark saber from Jinjarin, even though he's willingly giving it to her, and instead she wants to follow tradition.
0: I, yeah, yeah, I can see. I, I guess, yeah. but I guess there are some traditions, and in, in particular this one, which I think she subscribes to and she thinks is really important. But I can yeah. see how hypocritical it is.
1: Yeah, but I think I, I think I agree with you more so on that because I think with something like that, that the dark saber. Obtaining power with it. That holds a lot more weight than just, you know, wearing a, a helmet yeah. and, and taking it off whenever. Mm. I think it, it means a lot more because it means that you're going to rule a planet, pretty much. Mandalore is a planet. Mm-hmm. So, I think she she needs to prove herself worthy of such, such a title, such a role. So yeah I think it, it may be a bit hypocritical yeah but I think I think it's only right that she does as well although yeah. I wish that uh Mando hadn't quite disarmed Moff Gideon even though it was amazing to see but yeah it's that there's definitely going to be tension between our two um, amazing Mandalorians it may not turn out well I guess we'll have to see
0: hmm
1: it's definitely something that they need to explore yes. um, in season three. Yep. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I think we've made it to that moment. Okay.
0: Alright, you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to start off because... Okay, so. I watched this episode. Um, and I was shocked, okay? I was shocked when I saw Luke Skywalker. And just to remind the listeners, you know, you guys know already that I, don't, I haven't watched Star Wars other than this and to be honest I'm not that much of a fan. But maybe because I didn't grow up with it Tanya loves it, rightfully so, I mean it's good. Um, but after I watched the episode, I went back on the internet I went on YouTube and I watched people react to it and the amount of crying and just utter and sheer glee and satisfaction on people who love Star Wars was overwhelming and amazing to see because you know from my perspective it was just something that sort of put the timeline of this show into place but for others it was much more than that for others it was oh it was just it was oh it was like oh I don't even know like um, I feel like a, I don't know Tanya how you watched it
1: you know how did you react well i'm trying so hard to keep it in right now yeah just let it go let it go oh my god it was like christmas birthday easter every single other celebration that you could ever think of all rolled into one you just had this ethereal music when you see that there's a jedi arriving and the x-wing luke's famous x-wing i love the x-wing And then just with the music. And you saw the green saber. It was only one saber. You're just thinking who? Who can it be? And then you see the one glove. And the one glove just brings it all together. One glove. Who other can it be than Luke Skywalker? You even got Grogu reaching out to the screen. To reach out to his Jedi friend. And you're just thinking. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's going to be him. And then in steps. Luke Skywalker (laughs) what the hell I don't understand why they're trying to kill us with this I mean there are too many emotions to feel oh my god I just to see him walk in and to even see him battling those goddamn dark troopers that were just such annoying assholes it's the yeah. Luke that we deserve. It's re- it really is the Luke that we deserve, because in The Last Jedi, many of us were disappointed with how Luke was portrayed. Um, even though Mark Hamill is, is amazing, and, and you know we love him as Luke, just the way that he was written to be in The Last Jedi was, was frankly quite disappointing. Then he comes in, and he's just battling his way, slaying bitches, and he's just that's the Luke we know that that is the Luke Skywalker that is the son of the chosen one he's there Mm. and there was you're you're right there was just so much satisfaction from seeing him walk in and be such an excellent Jedi knight and I just I don't think I can put it into words how happy it made me to see that because it was just fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. I was over the moon with it.
0: Mm. I I I felt that the music, especially when you know everything sort of went quiet, when you know his X-wing flew in and the music was like sort of like a choir almost. You know, like a gospel, and it was he was just walking in and he was just like I, I don't know him, but I but I got obviously I got the impression that he's a very powerful Jedi. I mean. I don't even think Ahsoka is as powerful as he is. I mean, I haven't seen her do that kind of stuff. Maybe she is in the, you know, Clone Wars or Rebels or whatever. But he is, I guess, yeah, the ultimate Jedi, if you, if you may, if you permit me to say. Um, but with this, what does this mean for the show's timeline exactly? Like, what does this? Where does this place the show? And what is it? Act, you know, just. Do you have answers for me, Tanya? Because I need answers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, first, I'm just going to address the fact that um, I, I think from what I've seen that Luke Skywalker and Ahsoka Tano, are, they're, they're pretty similar in terms of level because mm-hmm. Ahsoka Tano was trained by Luke's father. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah so she was the Padawan of Anakin Skywalker. So even though Luke has the midichlorians from Anakin... Ahsoka has the training from Anakin and the talent. So, in that way, they're they're, they're pretty on par with each other. Um, But, yes, in terms of the timeline. So, Luke Skywalker has lost his hand. We can see that from the glove. So, it's Mm -hmm. definitely after A New Hope. We see that Bo-Katan is in there. And also that Ahsoka Tano has uh, run away from the Jedi Order. So, it's obviously past uh, the Clone Wars and past Rebels. So... I think it's pretty much been confirmed that this is after both the sequel trilogy and the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Okay? So it's before the the most recent three movies.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's
1: before Ray's time. It's before okay. uh, Poe Dameron and Finn. Mm-hmm. Before Kylo Ren. It's before that and just after um, the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. So it's... It's sort of like a, a, a filler in between what happened during then and it's mm. it's after Rebels as well. So, yeah, it's it's sort of just explaining sort of what was happening with the galaxy in between that time when the Empire had fallen and okay. the First yeah. Order was starting to rise up as well. Mm-hmm. So it, I think it adds a little backstory as well to uh Ben Solo or Kylo Ren and his introduction to the First Order and where the First Order actually came from. So, yeah, what it's about, definitely um, something to tie it in.
0: What about Rogue One? Where, where
1: is that? Ah, so, Rogue, is that, One, is Rogue One occurs, like, days before A New Hope, which is the okay. very first Star Wars movie. Okay. Because at the end of it, it's, it's such a beautiful transition. At the end of Rogue One, mm. the message has been delivered to Princess Leia. Okay. And at the start of A New Hope... We see that Darth Vader has uh, has entered into Princess Leia's ship, and he's Mm -hmm. found her, and he's asking her about the message. So they occur within days of each other, pretty much. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. Wow. That makes so much more sense. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, I know that you were happy to see Luke Skywalker
1: and R two D two.
0: Yes. And R two D two. Yes. Um, aside from that, in terms of, let's, let's look at it through the Mandalorian series eyes and goggles, like, are you happy with Favreau's
1: and Filoni's choice to include him? Yeah, I think I am. I think maybe it would have been a bit better to have a less familiar face, um, Mm -hmm. so for example, there were... Um, some Jedi in the video games, like the Old Republic or something like that. So yeah. maybe someone that is popular with the fan base, but also not, you know, not the face of Star Wars, pretty much. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, it's Luke, so it's still amazing to see him, nonetheless. And yeah. particularly because we know from the sequel trilogy that Luke did. Pretty much, open up his own Jedi temple, and he was training younglings himself. So it makes sense that Luke was the one to come and to pick up Grogu, um, because it means mm-hmm. that Luke was able to train Grogu and and mm-hmm. help him get back in touch with the Force. Um, so I th- I think it I think it still works. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, there's not much to complain about it really. Um, although. I must admit, I would have liked Sebastian Stan to have been the primary face of the CGI. um, Just because, I mean, you've seen the similarities between Sebastian Stan and a young Mark Hamill. Like, they they could be related and and none of us would question it. So, um,
0: that's just me
1: being a fangirl, but. (laughs)
0: No, no, even I I thought, I'm not sure of the CGI and the sort of de-aging sort of trick I mean, obviously, because it's not the person, it can't be perfect, yeah. and I, uh, I'm i not a big fan of that, so that did throw me off a little bit, and yes, maybe it would have been cool to see Sebastian Stan, re- like, do that role, and I would have loved it, and I'm sure he would have killed it, but I think that maybe they chose to do the, the computer stuff instead because of how iconic and how hard it might be to nail down that character, Yeah,
1: so. I think, um yeah uh, they were just trying to work within their budget and trying to make do with the tech with the technology that they had um yeah but in the end like it it did turn out pretty well
0: yes um
1: especially when it's time for grogu to go oh god (laughs) Baby. no but um yes we do see jinjaren slowly remove his helmet and reveal his face to everyone there, but most importantly, to Grogu. Grogu. yeah. And you see the baby reaching out to touch Papa Mando's face, to caress him. I- I just- I cried. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I- I- did too, I mean, you know that i cried in-, in at everything, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you to cried hear that, a lot. <laughs> yeah, but to hear that you cried was, you know, I mean, it's- it's, it's
1: nice. Yes. <laughs> I'm not alone um, I, I mean I, I bet that like half the fan base cried at the very least because it was just yes. such a beautiful scene
0: it was beautiful and it's it's sort of oh, it's just so oh, it's just so crazy to think that like what made this series so extremely iconic and in the public conscious is Grogu and we're sort of seeing the him and Mando depart like, for, 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 for a good chunk of time, for the first time since we've seen them come together. Um, so, it's, oh, it's just, it is hard to, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow. And, I, I just love the decision of Mando to take off his helmet. Um, because Grogu hasn't seen his face, Exactly, I don't think.
1: yeah, and we did see him trying to sneak a peek that, uh, other episode, he was trying yeah. to look under the helmet.
0: Um yeah.
1: But I just think, yeah, Jinjarin taking off the helmet finally in those last moments that they shared together, it just, it draws so much attention to the importance of the moment, of the scene, and also to the meaning of their relationship. And I think it's one of the strongest relationships I've ever seen in the Star Wars universe.
0: Uh, uh, Yeah, I've, I've, a lot of people, you know, say that. And a lot of people have that opinion of their relationship. Which is nice. Which is nice to see because, you know, it's... it's Like we said before, it's good to see that, you know, this is a part of the Star Wars universe and it's especially good for the fans who may have been disappointed for a, a, a while before this show was released. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, it was... It was an amazing scene. I think it's... It should go down in history as one of the most impressive one of the most well-established scenes in green screen and silver screen history because i think it's just beautiful and mm. absolutely stunning um yeah. visually emotionally everything just fantastic um i do wonder though did mando have a haircut Hmm. I swear he had a haircut. His hair looks shorter in this episode than it did in the last episode. So, did he cut his own hair, or does he have a barber, or does he change barbers every time because he has to kill them every time they (laughs) see his face, or something like that? Mando had a haircut.
0: More importantly though, like, now that he's taken his helmet off, like, what the hell is gonna happen now? (laughs)
1: Like,
0: what does this mean for his character? Like, that's one of the biggest questions I had after this episode. Um... uh, Maybe next season, you know, apart from the struggle with Bo-Katan and Dark Saber, we're probably going to see him grapple with his his own self and and maybe his his a new identity of him. Yeah. Because um, the last the previous episode where he he takes his helmet off, you know, to get those you know, to get those coordinates, that information. A lot of people and not just us, but noticed how awkward he was around people who could see his face, and it was just funny to see, but also, um, now that he's taken it off, is it going to be permanent? You know, he's going to be dealing with that, so, yeah.
1: See, I'm not too sure that it will be permanent, because yeah. both times he's taken it off for Gro- for Grogu, and for Grogu only, um, in order to save him, or to say goodbye So maybe now he's built that association with taking off his helmet and his time with Grogu. So maybe he'll be a bit more reluctant to take it off. Or he could take it a different way and think, you know, my friends have seen my face. Grogu is gone. Maybe it's time that I step out of my comfort zone and, and build stronger connections with the people around me that most likely won't be taken from me and taken to a Jedi temple um, it could, yeah.
0: With that option, that could be sort of how it ties in with the Dark Saber and maybe he'll we'll see him take a more powerful position
1: for his people, or yeah. not. I guess we'll see. Um, I think it's it's something that no one can really expect, to be honest. Yes. I think we can just yes. guess, but it's completely out of our hands and in the hands of Favreau and Filoni, So. Yeah, they've got a big decision to make and they need to make sure that it's the right decision because there are a lot of fans of simply the Mando or, or of um, the whole Star Wars series in general that are, are very interested in what's going to happen. But with how everything's gone so far, I, I trust in them to make yeah. the right decision.
0: Yeah, I'm honestly here for the ride. I love this show. Like you said, I trust in them as well. Um, And it's interesting, like, for other shows that I've watched, you know, when they've ended, you know, some ended in cliffhangers, but still you can sort of expect something and sort of see something linked to the next, you know, upcoming season. But for this one, I honestly don't know what could happen next because there are just so many things they could do. You know, there are so many options, so many different pathways to go down.
1: So it's just, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, it's going to be incredibly interesting to see what Favre and Filoni, and and even if uh, Kathleen Kennedy has a say in it, what they are going to choose. Um, Yeah, it's going to be... I mean, it's it's already something that we haven't really seen before in the Star Wars universe, everything that's going on in the Mm. Mandalorian. So... They're, they're going to surprise us I have no doubt about that and yeah. I think it's going to be a very welcome surprise yes yeah okay. but let's uh, let's wrap it up with um, the last thing that happened in the episode I think uh, Star Wars is taking a page out of Marvel's book in mm-hmm. having an end credit scene um, but I for one fangirl the fuck out Because I was super happy with what happened. So, Eleanor, let me lay out the scene uh, for you, because you probably have no idea what the hell actually happened. You were just like, okay, yeah, Boba, whatever. But what happened was... Before
0: before you do... Oh, yes. I'm uh, I'm assuming he's taking the seat of of the huts. No?
1: Ooh! Ooh! Listen to this. Eleanor, you've been researching. I do my research. Oh, that's Thank amazing. You wow. <laughs> okay. Soon you'll have a PhD in Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> like you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So actually, you're you're right. Um, because obviously, our Star Wars fans would have been able to notice from the start of that end credit scene, Jabba's palace. Mm-hmm. And Jabba was a slobby little idiot. <laughs> that kidnapped Princess Leia um, I say little idiot but he was massive um, yeah those rolls man he was chonky yeah. <laughs> real chonky, chonky. bugger <laughs> um, yeah so that that used to be his palace and we see Bib Fortuna who used to work for Jabba the Hutt just you know in his seat putting on some white and just chilling just having a, a Twi'lek next to him and, and not being very different from Jabba the Hutt who was a tyrannical prick <laughs> um, and of course you see Fennec Shan come in and, and she's uh, picking off some of the the people that are around him and he's just I, like I couldn't help but think oh god you know here Boba is to avenge himself because you know he was pushed into the Sarlacc pit and this happened because of everything that was going on with Jabba the Hutt and with Luke and with Leia there was so much going on and then Of course he does, he comes in, he avenges himself, he kills Bib Fortuna, uh, and he takes Jabba's seat, and he just spreads himself luxuriously over Java's seat, and then the end of it, The Book of Boba Fett, coming 2021. I'm ready, I'm pumped, I'm ready, give it to me now, I do not want to wait December 2021, give it to me now.
0: What do you think it's going to be about, I mean, you know... He's got power
1: now. Yet another surprise. Um, mm. I honestly have no idea. I think it's going to be more. Um, you're just waving away someone. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think maybe Berber will be going around and trying to maybe av- avenge himself. Maybe you know deliver some payback to people who have done him wrong if it's going to follow um the set of the end credit scene but I don't know I really don't know and I think Favreau, Filoni, whoever else gets involved with this or who is involved with this they need to be really careful because Boba Fett is such such a beloved character in the Star Wars universe amongst the Star Wars fan base. so they cannot mess this up
0: because it's Boba said, wow.
1: goddamn it. it's Boba. You can't, you know. Well, they have introduced him them.
0: again. They've introduced him again, and so far, I mean, we we've, we've been loving seeing him on screen. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully they do right by him.
1: Hopefully, and I think Tamora Morrison, he he's given his all for Boba Fett, particularly in um, this season of The Mandalorian. I did see um, that he did say in an interview that when he appeared in his... uh, the the first time when he was battling and and helping uh, Mando with uh, defending Grogu, he did say that he was acting like that would be the only time that we would be seeing Boba Fett. And you could tell because there was so much going into his acting there, into the role of Boba Fett. So, to have Tamura Morrison as Boba coming back as Boba even though he played Django in the original uh, in the prequel trilogy it's I think Tamura Morrison will make sure that we are happy I think that he is going to <laughs> fight to have Boba Fett the best that he can possibly be mm-hmm. I think Tomorrow Morrison is going to make us proud alright yeah
0: that yeah you've, you've heard it here Tamora. Uh you've got this pressure to put on you now
1: yeah don't <laughs> screw up tomorrow, or I'm coming for you <laughs> and maybe just go sightseeing in New Zealand as well why not <laughs> oh yeah gorgeous. go deal with him and then go sightseeing <laughs> <laughs> but no I oh, I can't wait for it I'm so excited for it so much to wait for so much yeah. to see so much to think about it's going to be amazing
0: oh. and while while season 2 of the Mandalorian has ended while it's finished And that might be bittersweet. There is season 3 coming. Uh, 2022. Too long.
1: Too long away. Come on.
0: Yeah. Although I do think it's going to be early 2022, which, you know, that's something. That's right.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: me and Tanya are definitely going to be on board for season 3. We're going to be talking about it as well. Um, but this season of our podcast as well has come to an end because next we will be talking about Tanya
1: okay yeah we are going to be talking about one of my favorite series ever the Alienist this Mm -hmm. uh, season two also named the Angel of Darkness based on the book by Caleb Carr I am so pumped for it and it is going to be amazing to discuss Laszlo Chrysler and his team and the old use, the ancient use of forensic psychology back in the 1800s, um, so please stay tuned, uh, it's definitely way different from the Mandalorian, yes, but it is going to be very exciting, I'm, I'm ready for it,
0: yeah, I'm so excited, oh, and we're gonna watch it together too, so,
1: yeah, we're gonna watch it together, we can do that now, (laughs) yeah, we're allowed, um, (laughs) now that restrictions are semi-over, um, Yes, that's going to be fun. And uh, you better all believe that I will be annoying Eleanor by referring to the book throughout the episodes. So, Eleanor, I've warned you. I have uh, my witnesses (laughs) on Spotify and on Anchor. Um, Oh, it's going to be fun.
0: Yeah. You guys have to... If, hopefully, if we get any, any listeners on this show in the season, let's hope, <laughs> <laughs> let's hope we don't suck. Um, you guys have to continue, um, especially if you're fans of crime, you know, the crime genre. Um, if you haven't seen The Alienist, go watch season one. Um, season two as well, it's on Netflix. Netflix, you know, almost everyone has it. Um, we, we both recommend it. Read the books as well. Yes, please. Cal- yeah, Caleb Carr, read them. We're going to be talking about, you know, psychology, what's going on and, you know, the brains of killers and also just in general people. Um, so tune into that. We're so excited and you better, you better come back. You better.
1: Yeah, better. Please uh, share your thoughts with us if you do end up watching season two of The Alienist. Share your thoughts with us on Mandalorian, maybe any theories that you have for season three. We really want to find out what everyone else is thinking And I think that's the end of our first season of Fandom Express.
0: Yes, that's it, guys. That's it. Um, This is crazy for us because, you know, we've wanted to do this for a long time. um, And we're doing it. So I'm happy that we've done it. And we've we've, we've just got more to come, you know?
1: Yeah. So stay tuned. And thank you so much for listening to us this season. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope to see you back and listening to us but for now we will say goodbye and this is the way may the force be with you yes (laughs) ciao